If you return in your Bibles to Matthew in the 12th chapter, there are two brothers who are getting ready to boil some eggs to color for Easter. I'll give you a dollar if you let me break three of these eggs over your head, said the older brother to the younger one. Well, the young one said, you promise? Oh, yeah, 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 I promise. You let me break three eggs over your head, I'll give you a dollar. The younger brother stood there and the older brother took one of the eggs and broke it over his head. The yolk is kind of just running down and picked up the second one and broke it over his head. More yolk just kind of oozing down, you know, back of his neck and over his face. And so he's bracing for the third one. Third one's taking a little longer than the first two did. And he said, Are you going to, aren't you going to break that over my head yet? He says, no. He said, the third one will cost me a buck. Sometimes we're just not always sure what the whole deal is, are we? <laughs> and we can get talked into some things. Well, we were splitting this up. For those of you here for the salt meeting last week, you knew what we were getting into this week. Those of you who weren't, didn't. But we split this up into two parts. And we covered the first part of this in the early morning service. As we looked at what Jesus Christ did at the cross what the work was, the things were going on, what was put upon Him. And that kind of is our basis for where we're going on into this one, what happens after the cross. Because there is a lot of uh, misconceptions. There's a lot of wondering about this. And talking with some of you some of you folks and it seemed like this was a topic of interest for you. For some of you, again, it's review. But for those who don't, don't know, we want to make sure that you are understanding of all these things. But as Jesus looked at the things that would happen to him in the cross, he said it was going to be as such. And if over in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38, we have what Jesus said would happen. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so, or in the same way, in like manner, whatever word you want to put in there, will the Son of Man be three days and three nights where? Now, wouldn't it just be easier if he would have said where that was? What that was? In Jonah chapter 2, let's see what Jonah thought about being in the belly of a whale. Or a great fish, whatever it was he was in. In chapter 2 and verse 1, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he, he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. He thinks he's in hell. <laughs> That's his understanding of it. Well, to understand this sign is to better understand what happened at the cross and really after the cross. When Jesus died, here's the question. When Jesus died, did he go to hell, paradise, or heaven? Because there's a whole lot of debate about this. And, you know, we can sometimes get lumped into the crowd of the name it, claim it group. And we've told you about that. And uh, we know the, even the people they accuse of being name and claim it are not. But anyway, they don't bothered to research anything about that. They just throw, throw things out. And uh, apparently there's some people out there on the radio that say that all the folks that are, you know, the faith message and word of faith or whatever other group you want to put it into, 
that they all teach that Jesus Christ went to hell after He uh, died, and, and they have a hard time with that. So we just thought we'd break it on down and, and look at it for you. We've broken it down before, and you've been around here before. You know my opinion on the, on the subject, but we'll break it down here again for you so that you see it through the Word of God. Where did Jesus go when He died? Did He go to hell? Did He go to paradise? Or did He go to heaven? Well, first off, we have to understand what hell is. A lot of folks have a misconception of what hell is. Some people think that hell is the final resting place of the damned, and it is not. Hell is a temporary resting place for those who are condemned to the eternal place. The lake of fire is the eternal place. No one right now is in the lake of fire. It is empty. It's just burning away, waiting for somebody to get in there. And they aren't there yet. Guess who's going to be the first inhabitants of the lake of fire? Nope. No, Satan will not get in there first. He'll be, he's, he's way down on the list. Way down on the list. First inhabitants of the lake of fire are Antichrist and his prophet. They get in a thousand years ahead of everybody else. They don't even wait for the end there. Those guys are so bad. Jesus just throws them in ahead of time. They have the whole place to themselves for a while. <laughs> Wouldn't you just like to have that? <laughs> no, but that is the final resting place. This is the lake of fire. Hell is not the final resting place. Now, some people have another misconception about hell, and they think that hell is the base of operations for Satan. How many of you have seen this in movies and cartoons and things? That you know, Here's all Satan's army. They're all in hell, and they all send out orders from hell, and they are dispatched from hell. Let me tell you this. You will not find any place in the Word of God that tells you that Satan is based in hell, that Satan has any right to be in hell, that Satan has any control over the inhabitants of hell. Satan is not in hell. When he is talked about as far as sending his people, do they come up or down? Down. They are in the heavens. They are in the heavens, not the heaven. There's three different levels of heavens. There's the heaven, the atmosphere that is directly above us. There's the heavens that are above our atmosphere, which would be considered space. And then there is the heaven. So he's in the upper areas, the atmosphere and such. That's where his base of operation is. Not in hell. Satan does not operate out of there. Has no jurisdiction over it. Can't do anything to anybody in it. God created hell. Satan did not. It is God's place that He made for those who deserve punishment. But there are three words translated hell. Understand that there is more than one hell. <laughs> That's not all the same. The first one is Gehenna. It is the Hebrew word for the Valley of Hinnom. You'll see that in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 22, 29, and 30. This is, where the, this is the place where Moloch was worshipped. And this was worshipped up until Josiah came along. When Josiah came along, he turned the place into an ash heap. Just a place of burning trash and refuse and stuff. And so it just was eternally, it just constantly, there always burned the stuff. There was always smoke rising up from it. And it became a type of hell. There is the word Hades, or the Hebrew Sheol, which is translated in our Bibles and means the unseen. In Revelations chapter 20, 13 through 14, you'll see See that there? But the Greeks taught this about hell. They, they saw hell as two, having two parts. 
the first part is called Elysium. And, it, and the bad part is called Tartarus. They had a good side and a bad side in the area of hell. And uh, you know, you go into different places. Now, the Word of God uses the word Tartaros, but not in the same way that the Greeks did. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 13 through 14, the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. So death and Hades had to give up their dead. Let me put, let me ask you this. Did Satan create death? Does he control death? Did Satan create sin? No. Nor does he control it. Anybody ever remember when they were doing the test, the hydrogen bombs, not the A-bombs, but the hydrogen bombs. When they started testing hydrogen bombs in the United States, a hydrogen bomb was different from an atomic bomb, far more powerful. And what it would do was it would actually react to the hydrogen in the atmosphere. And so when they set off one, I think it was a 500 megaton bomb or something like that. And when they set it off in the atmosphere, it actually started a chain reaction that scared them. They thought they couldn't stop it. And it began to, it became much more powerful than a 500 uh, megaton bomb. I forget how powerful it was, but it became more powerful than, than that. Sin was kind of like that. Satan can stir up sin. He can get people to move in sin, but he can't control what they do. Hitler was one of those. I think Satan had great plans for Hitler and the things that he would do. And because Hitler was just so sinful, he just became so, uh, he messed up his timetable and he did all sorts of stuff that just messed up the plan. And he never became the empire that I'm sure Satan wanted him to become. He can't control sin. He can't control death. He doesn't control hell. Don't put these things under him. They are not his. They're not at his jurisdiction. They're not at his whim. But there's a place also called Tartaros. Peter uses this word to describe another area of hell. And this area of hell we find in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. And this is the prison of fallen angels. Fallen angels are not in the hell that people go to. Hades, or hell as we call it, is a place created for people who miss God, or actually before the Old Testament. And we'll get into Jesus' teaching on that. You'll see, see that it had a little bit more application to it. But Tartaros is a place where fallen angels would go. You know what? We'll get into them. We have them down here later on. We'll get them into, into more, more later on. But this is the type of hell. You have Hades or hell, which is in... Well, we didn't tell you where that is yet. So we'll get into that. But you have Hades or hell. And this is where people go to when they die that are, are uns, unsaved. Of course, where do the saved ones go to? We'll find out. Jesus is going to tell us exactly where they come from, where they go to. Then you have Gehenna, which is a type of hell. And you have Tartaros, which is a place where fallen angels who messed up went to. You know which fallen angels went in there? Remember those ones in Genesis? They came on down to the daughters of men and they had babies. They had the first batch. And the first batch was thrown in there. And the second batch came. And they did the same thing. Because the flood wiped out the product of the first batch. And then a second batch came and God was already promised I won't destroy the world with a flood again. So he came up with another way to destroy all those and eventually they were all wiped out. And after that, it didn't seem like Satan could talk anybody else into doing this. Because that was, uh, that was about it. Do you remember when Jesus ran into the guy from the, who had the legion, the legion of demons? And when they came to Jesus, they said, what have we to do with you, Jesus, 
Have you come to judge us before our time? Now, if that had never been done, why would they ask it? If it had never been done, if it never happened, why would they even think it was possible? The reason that they asked is because it had been done. And the reason it had been done is because there are those in Satan's kingdom who had overstepped their bounds, overstepped their areas that they should be in. And when they do, they get locked up. They have restrictions. They have things that are put upon them that they can do. In Satan's kingdom, we've talked about this before, but just make sure you're all on the same page. There are fallen angels and they are demons and they are different. They are not the same. Fallen angels are angels who went along with Satan during the rebellion and they're in his army. They didn't change their state of being. That's just who they are. Then there's demons. Demons are, the, the Bible calls, it, calls them, disembodied spirits. Demons go around possessing people. Angels cannot possess people, fallen or otherwise, because they have a body. If they have a body, you can't possess another one. You already got one. But demons are looking for one. They don't have a body, and so their spirit is in distress. So they go around, Jesus taught us, they go around looking around and finding some body that they can inhabit. Well, in this particular case, a whole legion of demons got into one. And maybe they were thinking, we overstepped our bounds. No one has put this many demons into one body. And perhaps we overstepped our bounds, we're going to get judged for it. But Jesus didn't. He let them go into the pigs and the pigs knew better. They jumped off the cliff. So where is hell? Do you know that the Bible tells us where hell is? You don't have to wonder where hell is. The Bible tells you where it is. Hell is in the center of the earth. Very simple. Let's find out why that is. Well, we already read this scripture, but where did Jesus say he was going to be? He said, no sign will be given except for the sign of Jonah. The son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Isn't that the center? That's where, so Jesus said he was going to be in the center of the earth. In Psalm 63, and verse 9, But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lowest parts of the earth. Korah, in Numbers 16, we just read this not too, not too many weeks ago. Korah and all those who were in rebellion against him, the earth opened up and swallowed them. And it says they descended straight down into the pit. Another word used for hell. They said they descended alive into the pit. Well, how can you go to some other place in space if the earth opens up and you fall down into it? Hell is in the center of the earth. Look at Jesus' description of hell. Go over to Luke chapter 16. Here we get one of the greatest descriptions of the place of hell. This is from Jesus. I think Jesus knows what it looks like. The Word of God says that all things that are created are created by who? Who created all things? Jesus, not God. Jesus is God, so in effect, God did do it. But God created it through Jesus. Each of the, the members of the God had to have different responsibilities. Jesus was the creator. All things that are created are created by Jesus. Paul taught us that in the, in the uh, epistles. But here in Luke chapter 16, you know this parable pretty well in verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, so it was that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels to where? We haven't talked about that one yet, have we? Where is Abraham's bosom? The rich man also died and was buried. 
and being in torment in Hades. Where is it? What is Hades? Hell. Where is hell? Center of the earth. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off. How does he see Abraham afar off? How does he see Abraham afar off? And Lazarus in his bosom. So here's Lazarus and Abraham afar off. And he sees them from where? Hades. Now who's telling this story? Are we sure you know, we know that Jesus knows what he's talking about? Then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. Beside all this, between us, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one would be raised from the dead. So here we have a little more description of the area of Hades, and we find that both good and bad people are in Hades. Interesting. Except Abraham and Lazarus are said to be in Abraham's bosom. The other guy is said to be in Hades, but there's a, they're in the same area. But there's a great gulf, a great span, something that's in between, and you can't go from one side to another. So what you have is good people on one side and bad people on another. Same, seems like what the Greeks were talking about, wasn't it? See, most false things that are taught have a little, little basis in truth, and they certainly had a, had taken some from the Old Testament and some of the writers that had been there before. So you have a good side and a bad side in the area of Hades. One side is called Hades or hell and it's place of torment. The other place is called Abraham's bosom and is not a place of torment, but it is a place of comfort. But it is not the final resting place as hell is not the final uh, residence of those who are sinners. Abraham's bosom is not the final residence for those who are believers. So why is it that they're there? When you die, where do you go? Go to heaven. But Abraham didn't. I guess you're better than he is, huh? Abraham died and went where? Abraham's bosom. The place is named after him. Isn't that interesting? They named the place after him. Were there people who got in there before him? I wonder what they called it then. We'll have to get to heaven and find that out. What was this place called before Abraham was around? Well, we don't know what that one is. But since we find out that hell is in the heart of the earth and that Jesus says he's going to go where? He's going to go into the center of the earth, the heart of the earth. He's coming here. Now, here's a fun question. What side does he go on? <laughs> I mean, you got to go one side or the other, right? So we know he didn't go to heaven because he said the Son of Man is going to be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So we had to go to one side or the other. Now you talk to people and you can find some people that are really passionate about this. When was the last time you heard me teach on this? 
Everybody shaking their head. Oh, again over here. <laughs> you know why? I'm not very passionate about this. You hear the things I'm more passionate about, you hear more often. I'm not very passionate about this. And you'll find out at the end why I'm not all that passionate about this. But when you hear people rise up and debate and throw out accusations on all this, you should hear the passion. You should hear the anger. How dare you believe that Jesus went to hell? And most times people think that or believe that is because they think that Satan is in control of hell. And they say that, that anyone who would teach that is saying that Jesus went into the very hands of Satan and was tormented for three days, which is ridiculous. I don't know anybody who teaches that. Because first off, does Satan have jurisdiction over hell? You'd be hard-pressed. I can't, I've been through the Bible. I don't find any place where it seems that he has any jurisdiction, any control over hell. Apparently, it's not prime real estate. Now, you know, there's no ocean view. There's no, uh, can't really make a sunroom or anything like that. It's, it's not all that great. But it's a waiting place. It's a holding place. Because the people in the Old Testament were saved how? By works? By keeping the law? How were they saved? Same way we're saved. By faith in Jesus Christ. We have faith in the work of Jesus Christ in the past. They had faith in the work of Jesus Christ in the future. So what it was, was they all had righteousness laid to their account. Just like it said Abraham. Righteousness was laid to his account by faith. They had righteousness laid to their account. And so basically, they were just all put in there and say, you know, we'll just put them all right on here and the day will come when Jesus Christ will come and pick up the tab. And once the debt was paid, then they could all come on out. But up until then, they were held. In a really nice place, apparently. But it's not heaven. But it was nice. You know, how many of y'all know some people on this earth who have some really nice places? Really nice mansions, really nice houses. I mean, they're, they're really nice. You go in there and say, wow, this is something. Yeah, we, Christian and I, we were uh, we were down on uh, this week. We were delivering some beds down to shore, and we were driving through this one section. And, oh, they built some huge houses down there, mansion type. In this one section of the place we were going through, they were huge. And we were driving like, oh, oh, look at that. look at that. Oh, did you see that? And we're just driving by, having a good old time looking. At this we drove by one, and you could see the lobby of the house. This, this house had a lobby that was incredible. It was about three stories tall. All, a whole lot of glass all in the front. Big old chandelier coming down. You could see that. And that's just the lobby. We're thinking, man, what's the rest of the house look like? And it was huge. It was a huge house. Now, you live in a house like that, down there on the, on the beach, in the ocean, having all that. That's a nice place to live. It's not heaven. But how many of you that will do? That'll do for a while. Until we get to the next place, this is okay. <laughs> yeah, this, that'll do. So just think of Abraham's bosom that way, that way. Really, really nice place. And certainly it'll do until. And they didn't seem to be uncomfortable. They seem to be doing okay. Well, other, other scriptures refer to hell as down. And that certainly would work for the location of it. Let's go over this angels part again. There are angels that are reserved... For punishment. In Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Jude. 
But in verse 6, and the angels who died, see if I just put Jude 6, you all be looking for chapter 6 and find it. Some of you would be. And the angels who, who uh, did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the day of the judgment of the great day. He's reserved them. They didn't stay in their right place. They didn't stay in their right abode. They came on down. They, they left the places they were supposed to be. It speaks of the origin, high positions. They didn't, they didn't stay where they were supposed to be. They came on down to the daughters of men. And, and because of that, they've been reserved in everlasting change. I wrote in some of the other notes that we had. We covered this in the Revelation series. Not all of you are out here for that. So there's some of the notes that we just put in there for you. You can go through that and, and uh, check it out. But there's also some other angels. As we get into Revelation, we find out that there are four angels that are right now chained up over by the great river Euphrates. And they are chained up for a specific purpose. And people read that and say, well, that's ridiculous. How can you chain up an angel? I don't know. You're not God. I mean, if God made them, He can chain them. And we don't have to figure out how He did it. We aren't God. So we don't have to know how it is that God did it. But we know that God chained up four angels for a day in the tribulation when they're going to be released to do some of the things that they're going to do to bring about that, that end time judgment. So angels have been bad in the past. Now, I, fallen angels, how many of y'all think fallen angels are all bad? Apparently they are. They're all bad. I mean, the fallen angels are just all bad. But some are worse than others. And God says, that's it. I'm done with you and locking you up. He can do that. If they step over their bounds, he locks them up. So don't ever think that, you know, you're down here on earth wandering around and fallen angels can do whatever they want to to you. Demon spirits can do whatever they want to do. No, they can't. They have restrictions. They have boundaries. Can't do just anything they want to. So we have Tartaros, which is a place for the angels. We have hell, which is a place for unbelievers. We have Abraham's bosom, which is on the other side of hell for the believers. And then if you go through the book of Revelation, you also find out there's a place called the abyss. It is very possible that the place called the abyss is the same place as the place referred to as Tartaros. But Satan in the end, he's thrown into the abyss for a thousand years and then he's released. There's other ones that are locked up in there right now in the abyss and they'll be released later on. But anyway, those are the different things that the Bible refers to as hell. So just because you say hell doesn't mean that you're all talking about the same spot. But right now we want to focus on the one in the center of the earth. When Jesus went to the heart of the earth, what side did he go on? Did he go to the bad side? Or did he go to the good side? Well, when Jesus lived in this life, did he sin? That alone should make them go to the good side. Right? But there have been people, Abraham, did he sin? But he went to what side? He went to the good side. But he sinned. And then there's people on the bad side. They went to the bad side and they did sin as well. So you got people on the good side who sinned and people on the bad side that sinned. So is the fact that you didn't sin basis enough to determine what side you went on? Well, if you didn't sin at all, is there any reason you should go on the bad side? <laughs> there's no reason at all to go on the bad side. But if you didn't sin at all, is there any reason for you to go on the good side? 
Because think of this, why are people on the good side? They are believers waiting for redemption. Because they're sinners. And their sin needs to be paid in order for them to be taken out. So if you really think of it, is there any reason for Jesus to be on either side? No. But what did he say he's doing? He said he's going down there. For three days and three nights, he is going down to the center of the earth. So there's really no reason for him to go to the bad side because he didn't sin. But there's also no reason for him to be on the good side because he didn't sin. (laughs) It's the same reason for both sides. The only people that are in Hades or Abraham's bosom are people who sinned. That's it. There's no reason for Jesus to be there. That's why we went over the stuff we did at the early service. When Jesus died, he was declared to be sinless by men. He was declared to be sinless by God. And so, as he's on the cross, he was to fulfill a certain purpose, was he not? In John chapter 1, verse 29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the what? He takes away the sin of the world. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, and He Himself is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Does that mean that people who don't believe in Jesus Christ can go to heaven? No, because if that was the case, then the rich man wouldn't have been on the bad side. Right? There's no reason to have a good side and a bad side. But it does say, first off, John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the believers. The sin of the church. The sin of the righteous. The sin of the world. The whole world. That's what we find out in First John chapter 2, verse 2. He Himself is a propitiation for our sins and not only ours only, but also for the whole world. Does that not include believers and unbelievers? This is where you get them people teaching those things like the doctrine of inclusion and all that, that everybody is included in the work of Jesus on the cross whether they believe it or not. Well, then you have difficulty with the fact that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by Me. So how do you get by all that? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Did what to our sins? What does it mean to purge something? Clean it out, get rid of it, it is gone, right? If you were going to get in there and purge, it is eradicated. It is taken out. So first off, we saw that He was to take away the sin of the world. Secondly, we saw that He is also taking away the sin of the whole world. And here we have that He is going to purge our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and upholding all things by the word of His power when He had by Himself. Anybody help Him? Nobody helped Him. By Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, 
his purpose was to get rid of all the sins. And the Hebrews tell us, tells us that he did this before he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So this means that somewhere between his birth on earth and his seating at the right hand of the Father, sin was purged. Did it happen in his 33, 33 years of life? It did not. What happened at the cross? The sin of the world was put upon him. And when it was, the Father did what to him? Turned his back on him. And he cried out and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then shortly after that, he died. Very shortly after that, he died. And went where? So, on the cross is put upon him the sin of the whole world. Before he gets back to the Father, what happens to the sin? It is purged. So, beginning of the three-day period, the sin is on him. The end of the three-day period, because if you go into the New Testament and you see Mary find Jesus at the tomb and she comes up to Him and Mary, Mary is told, Do not touch Me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. And then later on we find out that Thomas wants to touch, touch him. And so what does he do? Come on. So what does that tell you? He ascended to his Father. But he would not ascend to his Father until what? Until sin was purged. So, the beginning of the three days, he, the sin is put upon him. The end of the three days, the sin is gone. Where did the sin go? It had to go somewhere, didn't it? I mean, it's, it's very tangible. Sin to God is very tangible. Here it is. We are putting it on someone. Got to go somewhere. We got to put it someplace. We're going to put it someplace. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. Where did the sin go? Because here we go. If we know that someone is carrying something and we know where that thing is, we can tell where that person was. Isn't that right? Wow, I think so. Ephesians chapter 4. What verse did we say? 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave what? Gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. That's exactly what Jesus said He was going to do. Right? Exactly what He said He was going to do. But He said here, He led captivity captive. Who was captive? Aren't both sides captive? <laughs> really, when you think of it, both sides are captive. Neither can go anywhere. Both have to stay where they are. So they're both captive. So He led captivity captive. How many want to vote that the folks on the Haiti side got affected by this leading captivity captive. I think they're still there. Still in the same condition, same place that they were. So, who was eligible? The folks in Abraham's bosom. But they were captive because their sins were not paid for. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. When he ascended on high, when he ascended on high, he led captivity 
or he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So here's the, the, the scenario. He heads up to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, brings the captives with him, and then since he's up at the right hand of the Father, he sends gifts down through men. How? Through the Holy Spirit. And doesn't he say to his disciples, I must go so that the Comforter can come. That was imperative that he go so the Comforter could come. And the day of Pentecost, 50 days after, Holy Spirit came. Held up in the upper room. Holy Spirit came. And gifts came on, came around the people. And so this part was fulfilled. But the captivity was taken captive. Something had to change in order for the captives to go free. So what was holding the people captive? Sin. What was put on Jesus? Sin. What was not on Jesus when He got to heaven? What was with Jesus when He got to heaven? The captives. The captives were with Him. So, this would mean that Jesus, going down into the heart of the earth, having sin put upon Him, took sin into the heart of the earth. And when He came out, does He come out with it? No. So where is your sin? In the heart of the earth. <laughs> he left it and brought the captives instead. <laughs> Glory to God. Alright, now, if you are Jesus and you have the sin of the whole world on you, because you are the one that delivers all the sin of the whole world on you, what side would you go to? If your goal is not to be tortured by Satan, if your goal is not to be punished for your sin, if your goal is to get rid of a bad package. All right, you got to think this in modern day terms. Think 24. Jack is driving the van with the bomb in it. Where does Jack want to go? His house? No. CIT? No, the White House? Where would Jack like to take the bomb? To a place that he doesn't like, to the bad guys, to anything like that, anything that doesn't matter to him, let's take it there. Which side do you think Jesus wants to put sin on? Now let's go back to the beginning. Who made Hades? God. What did he make Hades for? It's a temporary resting place for those who are believers or unbelievers. The unbelievers be on one side, the believers be on the other. But what better place to take sin and leave it where it will do no harm than in hell? See, we get all hung up on this thing because we think, well, Jesus went down to hell and he's suffering and why is he suffering for my sins and all that sort of stuff? And the Bible doesn't say that. It said he went down. Now, my personal belief is he went down, went over to the bad side, dropped off the sin. Hey, I got something for you guys. <laughs> and drops it off with them, just like Jack would with the van. Right? Here you go. Have this. And then crossed over to the other side. But I thought you can't cross over. Well, you're not God. Jesus is God. If he wants to cross over, he made the place. He made the, the goal, the gulf, the, the wall that was there. He made it. 
If there's a way, if there's a secret door, if there's a passage, if there's a way to get by, He knows it. (laughs) So my opinion is, He went down into hell on the bad side, dropped off the bad stuff, then went over to the good side because it says in the Word that He preached to the captives. Why are you preaching to the people in Hades? It won't change them. But why not preach to the people on the other side? And what would you say to the people on the other side? Hey, I'm here. Just want to know, you know, you've all been waiting a little while for your new place. And just telling you, in three days, we're going to be there. But I'm just here to teach you some things in the meantime. Oh, all right, come on, let's go. And they get into it. And Well, we've got two days left. What else you want to get into? And he may dig into some other things. And Well, we've still got another day yet. No, I can't. Not until tomorrow. It's three days and three nights. That's one of the things I said. I'd be here in the heart of the earth. We all having fun? Yeah, we're having fun. This is good. <laughs> And then the third day came and says, all right, the call is out. I am to resurrect. Oh, we're going to miss you. No, y'all coming with me. <laughs> and he brings them all up. He leaves, leads the captives. He leads them to freedom. Leads them to liberty. He gets them out. They're no longer captive. And that is why when we die today, we don't go there. We go right to heaven because our sins have already been taken where? To hell. Someplace down there, they went down and they did not come up. But Jesus did. And we get to go straight on up from this point on. We don't have to mess with any of that stuff. Now, look at Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. We have read this before, but you may not have noticed this one phrase in this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Did He do that? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Did He do that? To proclaim liberty to the captives. <laughs> to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. He just kind of mixed that right in there, didn't he? To sit at liberty those who are oppressed. But liberty to the captives. No longer held by sin. So every time that Satan wants to mess with you with your sin, just think Jesus took all that at the cross. Took it down somewhere. And didn't come back up with it. It's not going to bother me at all. Not going to make, make any difference to me at all. Now, the reason I am not real passionate about this is because, folks, it doesn't really matter. Nowhere in the Word of God are we told that you must believe what happened to Jesus during His three-day and three nights stay. Nowhere is that hinged on, on salvation at all. All you need to do, know is that He is the way. He's the door. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know how the door is framed, whether the door is insulated, who manufactured the door. You don't need to know any of that stuff. All you need to know is Jesus is the door. When you go over to somebody's house today, have some holiday meals and stuff like that, and you walk through the door, do you first say, wait a minute, who made this door? Who put it in? Is it made out of wood? We have metal. What are we dealing with here? Do do any of you really care? No, you just walk through the door. As long as the door is open, hey, we're going inside. It doesn't matter what the door is made of. It does not matter what happened to Jesus when he was in the heart of the earth. It doesn't matter whether he went to the good side or he went to the bad side. All that matters is he went down somewhere 
with the sin and he came back up with the captives. Not the sin. That's all that makes any difference at all. So if you hear people and they want to accuse you, you're one of those people that said, Jesus went to hell. You can say, I just believe in the sign of Jonah. Jesus said that for three days and three nights he would be in the center of the earth, the heart of the earth. What he did down there is up to him. I think we can get a pretty good idea of what he did down there. That's why we showed you these scriptures and things. We can get a pretty good idea. But you see, if you don't have that idea, if you don't know that stuff, people can come along and say things to you and think, oh, man, what do we believe in here? Don't you worry about it. We focus on the things that matter for your life. No matter for, the, for what you're doing here in, in this day. All that matters as far as this is concerned is sin once bothered us, now it doesn't. Once I was captive, now I'm at liberty. I could be one of those who goes to the side of hell, but I'd rather be not one of those who go on the side of hell. I'd rather be one of those who's one of the people set free. I'd rather just head on up to heaven. And now, we'll never get to see that Abraham's bosom. Until, you know, millennial, maybe we can go take a tour. Maybe they do some tours of the place. We can go over there and wave to the people. Because there are people still in hell. We can wave to them over there because they're still there waiting. they got to wait till after the millennial reign. Then the great white throne judgment. Then they all get tossed into the lake of fire. We all say, eh, nah, 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 nah. We know it's coming. <laughs> you can do whatever you want to there. I mean, it, their fate is sealed. They rejected God all this time. Now they're down there wishing they hadn't have. Just like the rich man. He rejected God all the time he was alive. Now he's wishing, ah, oh, I wish we hadn't done that. Wish I'd uh, done something else. But it's too late now. Their fate is sealed. Jesus didn't go down there and bring any of them up. But he did bring the ones up on the other side. So if you ever wondered who came up with him, because there are people that have talked about who came up with him, that's who came up. Those are the ones that were ready. Abraham's one of the ones that came up with him. Jacob. Joseph. Isaac even. All those guys. I bet you Gideon was even in the midst. All those folks. David came on up. Absolutely. All those folks you read of in the Old Testament. They came on up. Korah? No, he's not there. He's on the other side. One of the few apparently who made it there alive. Didn't stay alive very long. I'm sure, but one of the few who made it there alive. Him and all his crew. But we hope that clears it up for you. That you all don't wonder about what happened at the cross. This is the glorious day when Jesus raised. Three days and three nights He was in the heart of the earth, which we know He did not die on Friday. If you're here this morning, we were talking about that again, laying it all out for you. He, Jesus did not die on Friday. It is not possible for Jesus to have died on Friday. Everybody has Good Friday services. They're wrong anyway. You should have a Wednesday night service. Wednesday or Thursday is when He died. One of those nights. Did not die on Friday. Know it for sure because you cannot get three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday. This is not possible. You just, I mean, you get two nights and a, a day, maybe two days if you want to count the, you know, the early morning part, but two days and two, two nights does not measure up. Jesus said three days and three nights. Just as it was with Jonah. So it will be with the Son of Man. That was the sign. The sign happened. They didn't look at it. They didn't see it. They went on their way. Even the disciples, after Jesus had taught them, when, when, remember when Peter, we went over this not too long ago, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And from that point on, he began to teach to them about how he would suffer at the hands of the Pharisees and that he would be killed 
And then in three days, he'd be raised up. Taught them those things. And still, when they faced the death, they didn't, didn't understand. Three days and three nights. Don't know exactly what all the significance was for three days and three nights. But if you go through the Bible, you will find out that three days and three nights is used a whole lot of times. Very common. But thank God, sin has been taken out. It is no longer an issue. All the sin of the world. That includes you and includes anyone else who wants to believe in the work that Jesus did. They have to believe it. Their sin may have been carried away, but if they don't believe it, they don't get the benefit of it. You got to believe it. Just like if I were to go over to your account and put one million dollars in it, but you don't believe it, you wouldn't get the benefit of it. You got to believe it to get the benefit. Go out there and help some people believe it. Father God, we thank you for the work of Jesus Christ, that we have been made conquerors. We have been set at liberty from what held us in bondage. Sin no longer has power over us, but we have power over it. We have power over our flesh through the name of Jesus Christ. We can overcome any temptation that comes our way. Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for the victory we have that all those who were once held captive by sin waiting for the redemption that would come are no longer waiting. And we will join them as the days come. We look forward to that time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.